So let tune in to Black Cyber, the number one, the number one podcast to jumpstart, sustain, and catapult African Americans' career in a cybersecurity. Black Cyber, securing our place in the industry. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Black Cyber Podcast. I'm your host, George McPherson. My guest today is Nico Smith. Nico Smith is a captain and cyber protection team member with the U.S. Army Cyber Command. Nico received a BFA in graphic design and web technology from Columbia College. To highlight one of Nico's many accolades, in 2017, a cyber incident at the National Guard Bureau, NGB, occurred. He led the 169th Cyber Protection Team to respond and assist in coordination with the 91st CY Brigade. The result was attribution of the persons that leveraged the incident and evidence to support the discovery. NGB was also able to remediate the issues based on the information provided. In civilian cyberspace, Captain Nico Smith volunteers 30 hours a month to college and high school students interested in gaining entry into the cyber career field. He also created the only functioning cyber challenge going in the DOD. He has over 15 years of information technology and 10 years focus on developing defensive and offensive teams, privately and collegially. He has committed to improving cybersecurity and changing the way cyber is understood, leveraged, and cultivated. He currently holds the following positions, Director of Military Cyber Professional Association, Director of Red Team Operations, with Blackson Cybersecurity Incorporated. Nico, thank you for joining the show today. Welcome to the Black Cyber Podcast. Oh, wow. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, definitely, definitely it's weird hearing uh, some of the, the things I've been a part of uh, read back to me. It, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of weird. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, and and definitely before we get too far into it, uh, I always have to introduce a disclaimer that uh, the thoughts and opinions are of my own. They don't reflect necessarily the thoughts and opinions of the United States government in any capacity. Uh, so just hold me accountable for what I say, uh, not my employers. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. That's that's very good uh, advice to yourself and to us as we speak on a public platform. Um, man, I, I want to first uh, say welcome, my Army brother. So I was in the Army... Uh, for several years was in the air force as well um just you're thing. doing signal right you're doing signal? Yeah, yeah i started out signal in the army mm-hmm. um that's where i kind of got you know into technology um but yeah i want to uh thank you for your service um i want to thank you for working in the service and working in cybersecurity. those two together are very important uh so nico let's get into the uh, black cyber origins where are you originally from and who is Nico Smith outside of your career? Well, um, uh, to, to be honest with you, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm just Nico. Uh, I'm a father. I love, uh, I have two wonderful children, uh, from a previous marriage. Um, and, uh, they're, you know, they are the epicenter of my, of my universe. So everything that I do, all the improvements that I try to, uh, implement every stride that I attempt to, to make, uh, forward 
are definitely to build a legacy that they'll be proud of when when they think about their papa that that I was able to do those things. Um, other than that, uh, I'm definitely um, I would say more of an enthusiast versus professional. I guess in the realm of of cyber uh, of cyber people talk about uh, being professionals, and I, I think that. Uh, professionalism is definitely something that I possess or that's part of being involved in any uh, any environment. Uh, but I, I think definitely that when it comes to uh, self-descriptors for me, uh, it's more about the curiosity. It's about um, taking something that seems uh, difficult and trying to unpackage it. And then once I understand it, to be able to turn around and, and teach and pass on that same information. Um, uh, I've been in martial arts. Uh, I actually helped found a martial arts um, studio. Um, I had an art gallery. I was a partner in an art gallery. So um, I found a lot of the different things that have to do with who I am as a person have kind of been present throughout my life. It's, it's always come back to uh, educating, mentoring, and and sharing and in hopes that people could could defend themselves, which probably is why you find people like you and I, um, in in places like uh, the military and and uh, a civil service type of professions. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I'm not a martial artist, but I am like a always a martial arts enthusiast. What martial arts do you study? Well, um, pagoda ru. Uh, which is a blended style, um, a little bit of Kali, um, a bit of jujitsu, because, you know, everyone's doing that for fitness and for sport inside the military. And gotcha. um, a little bit of a little bit of Krav Maga from time to time. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Um, so and I, and I ask that because on Black Cyber, I like to get into the psyche of the person that's working in the cybersecurity. I like to know your lifestyle, your culture, because as we, as we know, man, um, that, that, that kind of builds you as a person, like those hobbies that, that you have kind of makes you unique in how you approach cybersecurity. Um, like I was in the drawing big time when I was younger and I know that artistic side you have probably kind of plays into your creativity on the job. So, I just like to point those things out because um, those are just key. Like you can't be a one-sided person. All these uh, traits and talents kind of make us all unique in uh, how we approach cybersecurity. Um, Go ahead. I I think you, you hit a real big point there. uh, What what you saying that you drew uh, as, as a youth Um, as we, and and then you talked about addressing uh, the different challenges in a very unique way. I think that uh, that's one of the the biggest challenges that we face uh, within our within our industry is the fact that uh, your your average person that is good at what we now call cyber um, or cybersecurity uh, they come from a lot of different uh, different paths that converge in very unique ways and uh, I I think that uh, once we start um, getting a little bit more comfortable with understanding that uh that there is no there is no formula to create another nico uh uh, uh another mcpherson it, it doesn't 
it doesn't exist, uh, the the easier a time that we're going to have with retaining and and grooming uh, future cyber professionals. Gotcha. Good point. Uh, so I was doing some research on you, and um, I kept coming across this name Socks. How did you? Uh, <laughs> is, that, is that a nickname? How did you get that nickname? Um. Uh, well, we only have uh, we have a short show, so I'll give you the abbreviated version. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, back in you know, um, back in the early two thousands, uh, I was you know always you know a young teenager uh looking to impress the ladies and uh it was around you know late high school things like that i'm sorry early early uh late 90s i'm sorry and um so we had things like microsoft and carta and we had uh net zero and all of these different methods to get onto what's what's the internet right yeah so um i thought like hey i want to i want to be one of those, you know, one of those hackers. You you look at uh, <laughs> movies like Sneakers and things like that. You want to do cool stuff like that. Well, so um, I I started out. I had a you know I had maybe twenty four. I was maintaining about twenty four different online uh, email addresses and ultimately personas. Now is kind of what it's called um, yes. and. I didn't know what they were. And I met some people, you know, on the web and, and also in, in Chicago that were really deep into the dark arts of the interwebs. And, uh, you know, me being wanting to get in, get on their level and get in. Um, I said, well, I don't know how to do anything, but, I, you know, I got like 20 email accounts that's across the world, like, <laughs> can you use those? And they're like, Oh, those are, those are sock puppets. And you have mm. how many, how long have you been, been doing this? And it's like, well, I've been like, since I got hold of a computer, I just started doing this <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, we're gonna call you socks. And it just stuck. Okay. So, uh, oh, sock yeah. for sock puppet. And, um, and that's, that's just kind of where that came from. I gotcha. hope it wasn't too long. And no, no, uh, no, no. Um, so, and we talked about uh, how talents make you unique. Um, did any of your past professions prepare you to be successful in cybersecurity or see it from a different view? Um, I, I, like you said earlier, um, a lot of a lot of what we go through shapes and molds who we are. Um, if we're if we're talking about professions, um, I, I don't know. Um, I would say that th- my my art my art background allowed me the flexibility to um, when it comes to things like uh, dealing with interpersonal relationships inside of that cyber aspect. Uh, it makes it easier for me to navigate some of the things that some other people in our profession have a harder time doing, um, such as you know being approachable um accepting uh accepting when you don't know what's what's happening or 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 um you know some of the stuff that's lately coming up with the gender um uh with some gender issues where uh where I, like men uh have a perception on on what what equals cyber awesomeness and uh some of how that 
then turns into difficulty for women to be successful inside this space or other other underrepresented minorities, um, even uh, uh, the gender fluid groups, um, LGBTQ, those guys. Um, I think that my art background, my my um, experience in, in fine arts allowed me to, um, to like, that's not a thing <laughs> for me. Yeah. Like, all right, you, you can work. You can work like that. And that in turn opens up opportunities for me to learn from from these different minds, these different thinkers. And so I would say definitely uh, within my arts uh, environment, uh, some of the other QAQC type of things that I've done, um, starting off in the SOC, um, working at, at in various different positions within IT, pardon me, even getting my... Um, even getting my my um, my first assignment, my first freelance assignment, um, kind of gave me the courage to believe that I could do this. Like growing up in the hood in Chicago, you don't have people walking around talking about yeah. I'm gonna go hack anything. Maybe maybe you know uh, maybe I'll go and cut down this tree. That's how I'm gonna hack. But yeah, um, that wasn't a real thing that I grew up or that was part of my part of my experience until like I, I branched out and got exposure to, to just different walks of life and, and different educational opportunities. Um, so uh, I think that life definitely gave me the, um, the fortitude, the intestinal fortitude to keep moving and to be uh, persistent uh, when, when attacking uh, a different problem set. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so where did you get most of your experience from, your cybersecurity uh, experience? Most of it from mixed jobs. Um, uh, I mean, you name it, I, I pretty much did it. And going back to my earlier statement about my first freelance job, um, a guy, um, what, he, he was a, a shoe, uh, he sold shoes. He's a shoe distributor and a friend we had friends in common and I said, well, Hey, Nico, um, you, you think that you could figure, figure this out. And, you know, at this time, uh, I had my CH and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe I could, maybe I could do something with this piece yeah. of paper. Let's make it work. And, um, and so I was able, the problem was is two partners, one guy decided to like they they were beginning to separate one one partner decided they no longer wanted to be in business the other one uh and the other party that was more upset or or more emotionally attached to the situation wanted the partnership uh decided to send one of their biggest uh exporters a real filthy nasty email um something that mm. would be detrimental to the business um uh, this this guy heard my name through a chain of other people and then ultimately to a friend that we had in common. And uh, he asked me if I could do anything. I said, well, um, give me about 24 hours. And if I can't do anything, I won't charge you for anything. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I did learn in that experience was the value of indemnity insurance. Uh, being a, a solopreneur, or a entrepreneur by yourself, uh, you don't think very often about what 
what happens if you burn down someone else's system or, or, or things to that nature. And gotcha. uh, indemnity insurance came into play. Um, thank God I didn't need to use it. And uh, we didn't fall into that situation, but that represented a larger part of the $100,000 um, uh, contract that, that was set up. So um, gotcha. when, when you're just the word to the wise, to people who are going to go out there and do things like this, uh, understand that it, when you work by yourself, insurance is going to represent a large part of your of your initial assessment fees and things like that and protect yourself early gotcha uh that's a good point you're bringing up uh the risk involved with that like you say having the insurance because you know people maybe have the skill set to jump into it may be eager to jump into it you know from that pen testing point of view um but you got to protect yourself legally because there's a lot of risk involved with that uh, so definitely a good good call out on that. Um, so tell me a little bit about the. Uh, I know you did the uh, Cyber Corn project. Can uh, you ex- can you explain that to me? Uh, sure, sure. Um, okay, as a matter of fact, uh, I have it here. Um, so uh, I was part of a uh, part of a cyber exercise for uh, DLD called Cyber Shield. Gotcha. Um, during that time, I had roughly 103 different um, different uh, pen testing or cyber defenders that work directly for me. Um, and this is to ensure that our nation has the best, the brightest, and they're actually getting the opportunity to train and to get better at their, uh, at their capabilities. So uh, what, the, what our initial job was, was to um, emulate a threat which then uh, the blue team defenders would be able to, to uh, discover, uh, identify, uh, isolate, and then eradicate if, if that's whatever they need to do. So um, think, of, think of the exercise like your internal, internally faced, facing um, security, IT security department working on strengthening your perimeter or your endpoints inside your, inside your data center or even inside of your, your, your local host branch. Um, so looking at, I, I participated in maybe four of these exercises, um, across four different years and, uh, each year getting a little bit more, um, experience, but a whole lot more responsibility. Um, I had some really awesome, uh, kernels that were looking out for me that identified my skill set and put me in a position where I could best benefit the nation. Um, following these type of ideas and thinking about what cyber is, um, to me, cyber is about um, realistic and uh, as near real time as one can get. So in the military, you get what's called a challenge coin if you do a good job. My thought process was, okay, well, I've never seen anyone ever create a functioning cyber coin, not even one that had blinky lights on. <laughs> um, so when I was told that I would be, uh, I would be the red team lead uh, for uh, the entire hundred and uh, 102 uh, people, I started putting together in my mind uh, the idea of how to create something like uh, something like what I was thinking about. So 
Um, I'm holding up on the on the screen. Um, the actual coin is 3D printed, uh, a 3D printed case, and uh, it's in the shape of one of my favorite uh, mathematical signs, which is called a, a Pythagorean triple. Um, it's it's pretty. It's a really really cool um, uh, shape. And um, and I like the principles that's that's driven by it, right? A a squared plus b squared equals c squared, and then you'll be able to then see things get larger, and you'll be able to to calculate a lot more stuff. It's something that I like in school. Um, but what the coin does is uh, it's a Wi-Fi auditor, and um, what you can do is you can send. Um, you can send 20 packets, 20 DAUTH packets toward uh, whatever uh, Wi-Fi that you're targeting. Now, in order to keep things safe and to make sure that, you know, I'm not just giving people, you know, Wi-Fi grenades to run around with and to do nefarious things, I try to be as responsible as possible. And uh, I saw um, some code that existed that was written uh, in C. And I was able to pull it down and then I, I applied some very minimal tweaks yeah. uh, and then repackaged it uh, for uh, for the coin. And the coin is, uh, I've prefabbed everything. I did all the schematics uh, for it. And I used a, uh, I, I used a 3D printer uh, to get things printed out. Uh, ultimately, um, I had to solder eight points uh, within the coin, so you wow. take the eight points times a hundred and twenty, because I wanted to give some to like the staff and to some of the the people who supported me along the way. Uh, we were looking at uh, a whole lot of soldering uh, that was going on, and and uh, in order to achieve that, I ended up going to our local hacker space, which is unallocated spaces out here in the in the Maryland uh, area. And uh, they had some really great, uh, really great resources, some people who could kind of talk me through um, uh, some of the easier ways to solder, like using uh, using leaded solder instead of using lead free solder, because it melts quicker. You can create your contact points a lot easier. Um, and I even ended up into uh, the guy who um, Greybeard, who was able to mass produce um uh, 120 of these coins, uh, the shell, just the 3D printed shell, is able to mass produce that in under a week. So nice. um, that's that. This was just me trying to introduce innovation, and not only um, innovation from a material perspective, but traditionally, when you think about in in the military, when you think about my position, I'm an officer, I'm a captain, right? Uh, so in an in industry, you typically, I would typically be mid-level management right now. So how often in IT shops do you get to see your manager executing your job uh, at, at, at a proficient level or better? And, oh, yeah. and I always thought to myself, uh, within, within the military, I want to be, I want to be the change. I want to inspire my troops. So by me showing them or creating this coin and providing to them, not only did they get something that's not in the military circulating around, but you're able, you, you actually get to, to 
see that officers are capable of getting on keyboard and and executing at the same level, if not if not better. So um, that's that's kind of what drove uh, drove the creation of this coin. And I still get people calling me up, telling me about uh, how they how they use it to uh, to annoy their kids and and things like that. So uh, yeah, I'm super happy about that. Oh yeah, that's a and Nico, that's a very cool uh, project. I, I commend you on it. You you combined a lot of cool things. You know, anybody in the military knows about uh, getting the uh, the challenge coins. Uh, and then when you're in cyber, you, you know, you're doing the CTFs, you get the uh, cyber coins. You combine some really cool stuff. Well, to I guess to the geeks, you you can you combine some really cool stuff with the cyber coin. Um, 3D printing is very big. And then you took it a step further, like the, you know, doing the. Uh, the wireless auditing, that's that's pretty cool. That's like you said, that's that's pretty unique. Uh, I saw that and I was like, wait, he did what again? <laughs> Cybercoin, 3D printing, and wireless audio. Okay, that's that's pretty cool. Um, so are you originally from uh Chicago? I am. I am. Okay. Uh the great the great state of Chicago, as I like to refer to it as. Gotcha, uh-huh. gotcha. Um, so how was it growing up in Chicago? I know you mentioned how you kind of uh, growing up, growing up in the hood, I grew up in a pretty, uh, not, not the greatest neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I will say about neighborhoods like that, when it comes to the community part, you always mm-hmm. got people to look out for you. It's always, there are, I guess what I'm saying is there are a lot of good things about it too, how we mm-hmm. kind of bond mm-hmm. together. Everybody is family. You look out for each other, but I know Chicago is just, I mean, we've all seen that around the nation. You know, it's just one of those rougher, even more of a uh, tough place to grow up and, and live in. Um, can you just speak to what was what was it like growing up in Chicago? Sure. And uh, what does Chicago mean to you? Oh, wow. Um, well, well, growing up, growing up in Chicago, let me, I'm pretty sure that with, 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 anyone who's talking about that's talking about Chicago and that's from Chicago, they'll, they have different opinions, but they'll always come back to tell you it's one of the greatest cities on the planet. Um, and I've been to, I've been, I've traveled a lot. I've been to 48 countries. It's, oh, yeah. it's, so uh, Chicago will always be, will always have a very special place in my, in my heart because um, it's, there, there are so many amazing changes that have occurred there that uh, that people really aren't, you know, they they don't pay attention to that. Like Doctor uh, Doctor uh, Hale Williams, uh, Daniel Hale Williams, out of out of Chicago, first black open heart transplant performed from Chicago. You know, um, oh yeah, we we just got a lot of we got a lot of beauty that that doesn't get the opportunity to really be spoken about or to be showcased, um, especially lately with the media. Um, growing up with, uh, growing up with me, uh, I, I have a, a very similar urban, um, uh, story like most, uh, most young black men. Uh, I grew up, 
Uh, we didn't have much. Um, if we had, if love was currency, I like to tell people if love was currency, I'd be filthy rich because, uh, my mom loved me a lot. Um, uh, my dad, uh, he, he was, you know, he was around, uh, for a bit of my childhood and, um, that's, that's just kind of what it was. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, in, in the communities that I lived in, like, yeah, it was, you know, gang banging, there was drugs being sold and things like that. That's just how people got down. Um, it forced maturation to happen at a much quicker rate. Um, I only understand that now as a, as a older, as an older person and always looking back at, at my community and in, in ways to try and help it get to where, where I am, because, uh, believe it or not, it, it it shaped me and prepared me for what I was going to encounter later on in life, but it also provided a bubble. For instance, um, I was a nerd, right? So, like, I could I could hang out on the corner, but like when stuff was about to get rough and stuff, they say, "Hey, no, nah, do you need to you need to leave the leave the uh, leave the corner." Um, okay. That's one of the instances. There's another one. I was walking. I, I had to wake up at four o'clock to hop on a bus to go to school uh, on a on the north side of Chicago for a small period of time. Um, and uh, I remember walking past uh, this apartment building. Now, um, when you get in front of the apartment building, uh, it's it's just kind of a dark corridor. And I knew like that's where people went and they got pulled in and they got beat up like that's just kind of what happened if the gangbangers had to deal with something some some nation business or something like that that's where you're gonna go you can get your pumpkin head and nobody's gonna blink an eye so i'm walking past it's it's 5 30 in the morning i'm running because <laughs> i need to this bus that i catch rides every half hour and it does a loop so i end up i live on the end of the loop I, I can sprint and catch it if I miss the bus at the end of the loop where I, where, where I live. So I'm sprinting and this guy reaches out and it sticks his head out the window of like the second floor. It's like, Hey, you and N word stop. Like, so I like freeze mid mid stride. I'm like, Oh man, today <laughs> is not going to be a good day. It's like, stay right there. So then come back out. He's like, how are you doing in school? I'm like, uh, okay. I got, I got like bees. This, <laughs> this so then he drops out, he drops out the window, 50 bucks. He said, that's lunch and bring me your report card when it come out. And there were little glimpses of, of respite like that, that happened throughout my life. Like, I, I mean, I got jumped. I I hadn't had a fair one-on-one -on -one fight after seven. After <laughs> seven years old, every fight that I ever got into involved more than two people. Yeah. Um, so growing up like that, my mom, she uh she worked a couple jobs. She was a nurse. I got a bunch of nurses in, in my in my uh family lineage. Uh they all followed after my my grandmother, Granny. Uh she was a she was a uh LPN. But uh, we didn't have computers and 
and and Nintendos and things like that growing up inside my household. Like my cousins might have had it, but yeah. I didn't have it. Yeah. So um, I would find ways like to like stay behind inside of computer class, you know, on those old Commodore 64s. And, you know, that's how I learned about uh, manipulating apps and things like that. So um, all of those, you know, all of those things occurred and and education pretty much saved my life. It gave me an opportunity to um, to do better things, gave me better options. Um, I didn't join the military because I needed to go to school. Um, I joined the military because my passion, I, I wanted to see what was going on and I I grew up watching G.I. Joe, so I wanted to kick indoors. Ah. <laughs> so yep, um, I'm right there with you. <laughs> <G.I. Joe. laughs> so so that that's that's kind of kind of uh where where uh things come from. And then uh, I end up opening up an art gallery in the same community 15 years later that I grew up in or that I was getting shot at from um to help those kids have a bridge to get out. Um, I got oh, yeah. involved with teaching after school, so I don't want to jump ahead. But uh, those are those are uh, some of the things. That's that's what Chicago was like. It's, it's if you oh, can yeah. survive in Chicago, you can make it anywhere. Oh yeah, uh, Nico, I definitely thank you for telling that story. Um, it just sheds a light on what a lot of us go through, um, and even kids today, you know, to understand that you know, us older guys, we went through the same thing. We went through some of the same obstacles, just a different time looks a little different, but it's, it's really the same, you know, the same animal. So, um, is there a story behind why you chose autism as a cause to support? I noticed you, uh, that's one of your causes. Yeah. Um, so you're talking about the soldiers and saints, uh, foundation. Uh, that's something that, that I got that I kicked up and started. And, um, the, the soldier uh, is my dedication to the men and women who don a uniform that um, that I'll always raise money to support. Like, I always have a fundraiser for that. Um, the saints aspect of Soldiers and Saints gives me the flexibility to pick a different um, a different cause soldiers and uh, without saints. being locked I, I, in. Right. Yeah. So um, my very first one was uh, Autism Speaks. And um, autism specifically uh, for my first one, because in our community, uh, we see a lot of people go undiagnosed uh, with, with uh, that particular uh, illness, mental illness. And, and being, from, from my understanding, because I'm not a medical professional, <laughs> but from my understanding, there's a, there's a rainbow or there's a spectrum of, of autism uh, that that exists within within the world. So uh, you could be mildly affected or or uh, severely affected. Um, but growing up in my communities, um, I, I saw a lot of people either being taken advantage of, or or just not that they, they were just that that boy he just he just touched or he a little slow, um, and. That was kind of our way of, of dealing with the fact that someone inside of our community was dealing with something that we hadn't had the tools to help with. So this is just me trying to reach back and and help. Gotcha. So, yeah. um, 
And um, I know our viewers are like, yeah, he's we're not really talking about cybersecurity a lot, and we want to get to that. But <laughs> I, 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 I definitely think it's good to just highlight some of the things that you're um, involved with, uh, what kind of makes makes you up as a person. Um, so going a little further into that, describe what the experience was like uh, teaching classes to Chicago youth. Oh man, uh, one of the most rewarding. Uh, but also the most uh, educational of, of most of my experiences. Um, I, I didn't understand why, well, one, there's not enough black men teachers that exist. Like uh, you'll see floating around the internet. When's the first time that you met a male black teacher in your life? And most people will say, uh, and teacher, not, not PE teacher, and I'm not trying to downplay physical education teachers because, you know, that is a real thing. Oh, yeah. However, I, I I don't want us to be relegated to just being sports and, and things of physical. Uh, I want to see the academic. And so at being a being a, a black male uh, teacher um, opened up a lot of things and my youthful appearance. Uh, was definitely something I learned about also um, because of my youthful appearance, uh, because I still look like I'm going through puberty. <laughs> it It's hard to create that boundary. There's sometimes there's a level of comfortability that exists between the students and, and how they view a teacher. I'm supposed to be old, ugly, and, and that's just how, how teachers are supposed to look. Gotcha. Um, so some of that was, some of that was an issue, but when we moved beyond that, we had a lot of eager minds. Um, I introduced, uh, raspberry pies, uh, to, to the culture and, or to, to the group of students that I was teaching for the couple years that I was doing so. And I even began trying to convert, uh, or create an inroad so that, uh, again, uh, pulling from my, from my history and my experience, uh, I was thinking to myself, and this is um, this is back back in the in the early two thousands. Um, they were sending kids who lived in the ghetto home with iPads and laptops. Right now, I, I think integrity is there for for every person. However, you you just introduce a, a really interesting thing where you just gave a kid, um, a, a laptop, a high value item that can then be stolen from them, uh, uh, a drug afflicted um, relative can take that, pawn it, trade it off. You just place that, 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 that child in a very precarious situation. Um, and now does that mean don't give that to any, to, to just the kids in the ghetto and and allow them to stay behind? No, absolutely not. So here, here comes the Raspberry Pi um, A. And with the Raspberry Pi, you have the you have the desktop, and everyone at home had a had a TV. So all you have to do is get a keyboard and a mouse, and then you have a computer that that doesn't translate to. Uh, to anything to a drug dealer. They're not going to yeah. give you $5, $10, for a Raspberry Pi. They're not at that time. Oh, Maybe yeah. now, but at that time, no. So um, I was in conversations with Element 14. 
and also trying to work with uh, with CPS to try and get some things working. And we're able to get some some stuff taken off, but it didn't quite take hold the way the way that um, that I envisioned that it would. Um, but gotcha. that was then. Now I think uh, technology has definitely sped up quick enough. Uh, people are using uh, Raspberry Pis for uh, for pen tests to to hack other people's regular computers. So um, that it, there, I, I think that there's still space for for that implementation to to be introduced. Gotcha. Um, and that was a like you said that that was, like you said you just explained it. That was a very unique way of getting a solution to those kids in need in that type of environment. Like you said, um, to somebody that meant harm to them, something that with that lower value or somebody that can't even understand what that is, like it's not worth anything to somebody that means harm to them. But if you compare that to an iPad for a person that's learning, it's the same value. You know, it, they still can Absolutely. learn off it. So that's that's a very interesting concept. I commend you for that. Um, I know you do some volunteer work with blacks in cyber. Uh, can you describe that program and what it means to you to uh, support this cause? Absolutely. So, um, blacks in cyber, um, I'm the director of red team operations. Uh, I run this, uh, the CTF, uh, development program and soon they're not. Um, and what the goal is, is to kind of tear down some of the barriers that exist and uh, empower uh, Black people specifically to be successful inside this realm of cybersecurity. Um, so what, what that means to me is knowledge, knowledge to me is, is not mine, right? Um, I, I know this thing, but I, I don't, it's not mine to own, right? Um, and I feel that way about some things, not all things. My way of of giving back or to, to tear down some of those barriers was, okay, well, if you go and you try and apply for a job in, in cybersecurity, the they they a lot of the time have a lot of different requirements, but among those requirements are experience. So as a college student, how do you get your experience? I'll yeah. tell you how I got mine. Um, I, I don't sleep very well. I, I haven't slept well for a long time. So that means that I'm up at two o'clock. Guess who else is up? Someone over on the other side of the world. So I converted that into a, a method for me to try and make some money during, you know, during my college days and, and always something that I can fall back onto. Um, however, is that really a viable and a sustainable task for every college student? Uh, does their life have to suck because mine did <laughs> when I was growing up? I, I just can't support that and I can't be an advocate for that. But what I can do is, hey, let's let's build these, let, let's do some CTFs. I'm working on uh, on acquiring and, and building out my data center, right? So I'll have you come in, you start programming, start setting up, uh, some of these challenges. So you're getting a hands-on experience. We have a we have a blacks in uh, blacks in cybersecurity is actually a business. So right there, you, you're actually doing something for a business that can translate to 
experience. So you could take those three years because as a freshman, you're still trying to figure it out. But by sophomore, if you stick with from sophomore to senior, then that could create opportunity for you to demonstrate that you had uh, experience. Um, also, also technically specific experience, which uh, I, I don't know about you. It's, 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 I haven't been able to locate uh, uh, another way that a person can practice pen testing and, uh, and, and uh, in a safe and effective way legally. Right there. Yeah. I mean, people say, oh, go do hack the box. Great. Uh, you got the 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 opportunity for me to practice. But how realistic is that going to become? Yeah. Right. So um, that's that's it. It just gives me a lot more opportunity uh, and a much wider breadth teaming up with um, with companies like Blacks and Cybersecurity uh, and, and helping build and grow their their program uh, to, to then allow my experiences and, and some of their experiences to start feeding, shaping, and, and, and sculpting the, the way that, that the cybersecurity field starts to look. Gotcha. Um, so which do you prefer, blue team or red team? In my mind, it's the same. It's the same answer. It's the same team. Um, so, I would say, I would say that I prefer blue teaming, and this is why I'll say it. Though after I just got through and saying what I said, red teaming, in my opinion, is a purposeful. Uh, step or engagement to ensure that a business gets better through adversarial actions. So when I think about red team, like everyone else talks about red team, it's typically uh, delegated or couched inside of either a business environment. We've got a bunch of red teamers, right? Or we're pen testers. That's still a business trying to help another business be better. So when I say that it's that it's blue team, because it is, I'm defensively pro, uh, providing things for you to, to identify where your weaknesses are, uh, readjust your sensor placement so that it's more easier for you to uh, identify X, Y, Z type of attackers, um, the the uh, uh, bug bounties again a blue team effort done offensively, right? I'm I'm showing you why you should have given your developers more time to roll out the application, and now you're just going to pay for it, right? So these are all blue team actions, uh, but but uh, for some odd reason, I think people get it confused when you take red team and nefarious hacker right <laughs> nefarious yeah. hacker right because their hacking isn't inherently bad but nefarious hackers they have no want for you to be better there is no goal for you to to patch your system as a matter of fact i'm going to patch your system for you so that i can maintain persistence yeah how about that and yep. and we just keep the ball rolling so uh, again talking about shaping and changing the way that that our our 
industry views and talks about things, maybe we should step back and re readdress what that function is, red versus blue. Gotcha. Uh, and I, I gave you that question just to have a little fun with it because, <laughs> I mean, one is not really better than the other. It's, it's two sides of one coin. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the blue team is going to make the red team better by defenses they put up and the red team, you know, trying to get around those defenses. And, you know, the red team is going to make the blue team better because uh, once they find those, you know, those uh, spots and vulnerabilities, the blue team can, like you said, kind of adjust. Um, and I see I see this. I think most people understand it, but I see this every now and again, that a lot of blue teamers, kind of, like you said, how you kind of said, they kind of have something against the red teamers. Like, mm-hmm. like yep. if an uh, ethical hacker is, is not a person that's hacking illegally, they're hacking legally, and they're hacking to help you improve mm-hmm. your system. So why is that not a good thing? I mean, well, well, going back to what we talked about, well, what I talked about earlier with my arts degree and that interpersonal relationship, uh, there's not there. There are some teams, there are some red teams that even though the the mission objective is to make things nice and neat and help this company like they want to help me, it's, it's a game of stump the chump and make you look bad. Um, some some professionals do that. Um, and I'm using the term professional very loosely. Um, however, you have other people like, I mean, who who wants to be audited, yeah. right? But if you can approach the team in, in a manner as to which, you know, especially because most pen tests, most uh, red team engagements are gray box, uh, which means that everybody knows and they have part of your your credentialing. They, they understand they're left and right you know we're, you know who I am and you know why I'm here so let's make it as as um as l- least uh difficult as we can oh yeah um so so let me ask you this um so how is your program in IQ how would you describe <laughs> are you pretty proficient in uh coding languages or novice or Oh man, uh, is there anything under novice like uh, kindergartner? Um, <laughs> to to be honest with you, um, I it, it's whatever I need for the tool or for for the for the time. I, I can pick up on things pretty quick. Uh, most programming languages syntactically are 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 pretty similar uh, with different um, different methods or or applications. Uh, so. Um, it, it depends on what I'm trying to do. Like, uh, you know, there's there's modules that will allow Python to get closer to the kernel or uh, or or closer to the to the machine language. Uh, or are you going to use something like C? Or are you going to run your own your own compiler? Uh, are you going to take pre-compiled stuff that other people have? Um, so for me, I'm 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 not this. Uh, I know people who are like pearl magicians and they, they are C sharp is they can make C do things that, that is like, it's magic. I, <laughs> I, I, so, um, so I have a bunch of books uh, that I constantly go back to refer to. And, uh, and I'm constantly trying to learn. I find people who are good at, 
programming and I asked him like, hey, can you, I, I'm the master of Frankenstein. Like I can make, I can take code from everywhere and cobble it together. Uh, but my real appreciation and, and what I'm looking forward to and striving toward is being able to, um, to truly uh, create my own code, like from thought, say, oh, okay, I want to make uh, this screen flicker on and off. I want to not go to Stack Overflow and look at something that looks similar and then replace the right stuff in there to make it work. I want to be able to go from concept to delivery. Uh, and and in, in some ways I can do that and in, in a lot of ways I can't. So I'm, I'm a work in progress. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so let's see. So what changes are you hoping to make uh, within your cyber journey, both on the military side and the civilian side? Um, well, let's talk military um, and I'll stay here. I'll touch it and then I'll run away really quickly. Um, on the military side, I want to change the way that our capabilities are, are viewed. Um, and what I mean by that is I, I think, and this is just me again, like I said, I'm speaking from, from my side, I would, I would like to see a change from rank, you're this rank, so you have this capability, to becoming a little bit more broader, more open to the idea that, hey, we got people even out of West Point that can program better than some of the, the, the people who are just now graduating uh, some of the, some of the other collegiate institutions, you know? Uh, so, so paying a little bit more mind to that. And I'm seeing a lot of changes in that way. Uh, I'd like to, um, I'd like to get in general um, the idea of, of cyber. Uh, if you let, I would like to change the recipe uh, that people are using to put together a good cyber professional. Um, for right now, the recipe that I have seen is you have a CS background, a computer science background. Yeah. You're proficient at some type of programming language, and you um, and yeah, and you're or you're or you're an engineer, so you're in STEM somewhere. Yeah. What uh, what I like to to get into conversation with people about is the difference between signal and cyber or IT and cyber. Um, the difference between cyber to me, and, and this is always for me, the difference between the two is cyber requires passion. IT, it passion is a plus, right? So it's not going to stop you from being able to do your job. And I think that both cyber and IT or cyber and signal both share the same tool sets. However, your cyber professional passion causes him to spend eight hours banging at a remote server to after being uh, uh, denied for, for uncountable amounts of time only to get access. Um, the passion that I'm looking for, and, and I think a good indicator of, of, of people who will do well in our industry is going and like one of my, one of the things that, that 
I ask employers before they hire me. They, they say, do you have anything that you, you know, that you're looking for? I said, okay, well, you're, I either want you to send me to death term or give me the day, give me the, give me the weeks off to go and to go and take myself. I'm not asking for paid leave. I'm just asking that when I, every year I'm asking for this time so that I can professionally develop and, and deal with my community in in a way that will help me be better service to you. So you got a you got a guy that you want to hire that walks into your office and says these words to you, or that you're not sure that you're going to hire. There's one thing that you know for certain when he leaves out that building is that he's passionate about the community. Oh yeah, that translates into, in, in my opinion, to a much different uh, type of cyber professional. Um, the guy, like nobody, told me to build the cyber coin that I built, but my passion for 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 pushing just a little bit more on the circle of our industry to to create um, opportunity because uh, opportunity is nine percent perception or ninety percent perception, right? So um, if you can't see it, then is that really an opportunity for you? Yeah. So I did that so that maybe not somebody who worked for me that day. But someone may see that and then say, man, that's really dope. I'm going to beat that. I'm going to create something better. Oh, yeah. And and that's those are the type of changes that I want to to uh, implement into uh, into our culture. I'd like to see a lot more people who look like me uh, at the higher at the higher executive levels Um, and not just because they look like me, but I believe that there's a lot of talent that exists inside of inside of um, our environment or inside of our culture that that just uh, requires requires opportunity. So, um, I'd I'd also um, definitely like to change uh, how we how we view uh, cybersecurity and um, and its relationship to to age. And, and I would like to see some changes in the curriculum, kind of like we're doing as a nation uh, toward introducing more opportunities for those kids who are into phone freaking and, and got a ham radio or, or, (laughs) or got a CB radio, but don't, they don't have a ham license and, and they're just curious about that. Um, I think with, with opportunities like that at a much younger age, then uh, we'll we'll grow some really unique uh, problem solvers that that ultimately benefits our society as a whole because now we have another uh, another method for people to go who don't want to go to college uh, for four years and may just have the passion uh, to to tinker and haven't had the opportunity to really showcase those those capabilities in a in a meaningful way. Gotcha. Um, so very good points you made, and I want to kind of, kind of build on that and segue. Um, what, what advice do you have for someone that's trying to get into cybersecurity, not to be a carbon copy of Nico Smith, but to, like you said, that passion and think out of the box, that aptitude 
to kind of get to your level one day. And it, like you said, it doesn't have to be traditional. What advice are you giving um, somebody that wants to get into cybersecurity to start and have a successful career? Um, before I answer this question, let me ask you this. Um, are they in college, out of college? Are they not college age? Is this a young person? Um, let's go. Cause I didn't go to traditional route. Uh, okay. let's, let's, let's go out of college and let's, okay. let's, let's say they're just out of high school. Okay. College. Okay. Great. Um, well, there's some really unique opportunities that exist now and today, right? Um, there are a lot of bug bounties. There are a lot of, um, there's a lot of different, uh, inroads that you can take advantage of in order to get that type of experience. But um, nothing, nothing beats uh, a group and a mentor. So uh, if you could look out to the various, like on Twitter, there's a bunch of different people talking about uh, being allies and advocates for all the different types. Of, I mean, you don't have to be Black to get access to this support. Like it's that every community, walk of life, gender, um, has some, some type of opportunity that's popping up across the Twitter sphere uh, that, that shows like, hey, I, I'm looking to help people. Um, I think specifically to, uh, to, to Black people specifically, um, get, uh, go ahead and, and uh, look up uh, Blacks in Cybersecurity. Uh, you'll be able to find me there's a lot of resources that exist um, for, you know, for people to help you with uh, everything from, from getting your, like, studying habits down to uh, ultimately leading to credentialing. Um, I, um, I want to be clear, the, the credentialing and, and standardization is not a bad thing. I'm not, I'm not advocating that at all. It actually... Is a good thing. It, it helps me understand what you're coming in with, and it sets the expectation for future employers as to what skill sets you can come, come in with. But what I'm not a, in support of is people who, uh, who just pursue a bunch of certifications and can't execute any of them. <laughs> and and yeah. I know I, I've, I've hired and fired people. I know people who've uh who've gone and downloaded brain dumps just to get this the certification because that was now being that was then a requirement in order to get a job yeah well if, if you look out to a place like microsoft apple they're kind of um they're kind of being mavericks out there because they started to lessen the requirement for a college degree in order to get a job within their it section i believe facebook is even doing that so um, be persistent, take risks. And the risks that I mean are, I, I don't care if you don't believe that you have those certifications or the, the capabilities that it's asking for, um, reach out and apply, right? Let them say no to you. You don't say no for them. Um, final, final thing. And then, and then I'll close out on, on this question, uh, specifically for, for people who are looking to, to get into cybersecurity. Uh, if you have a computer, 
get some type of virtualization inside your computer. Uh, and what I mean by that is uh, I, I, I use a lot of v, uh, VMware. I'm not being paid by VMware to talk <laughs> about it, but I, I use it to, to build uh, a lot of my stacks because I, I'm running a, um, a five monitor setup at home. And when I was using VirtualBox, uh, it would not support the drivers that allowed me to use all of my screens. So there were some technological benefits that came from it. Also, uh, there's something called VMUG. Um, that's Victor Mike Uniform Golf. Um, that is a special program that VMware has where you pay $250 for three months or no. 300 for two months of unlimited access to the VMware suite, which comes with like, that's normally uh, $1,200 to $1,400, not to mention the other things that you get along with it. Um, so check, check that out and get into virtualization. And the reason why is because you're going to have to set up little labs. You want to go to, to Bone Hub and pull down uh, different types of, of virtual machines to spin up. So that you can get your uh, get your experience in. So that's the that's the best thing that I can recommend. And and also, you know, uh, Craig Craigslist old computers or or buying a server or two, uh, it doesn't hurt. You're gonna get some hands on experience, and that's gonna translate into a lot of positive dialogue between you and your future employer. And also, it'll help you understand some of the. Uh, some of the issues that that exist inside of inside of our our, our environment. So uh, that that's what I what I'd recommend. All right, thank you, Nico. That's uh, very good advice. Uh, okay, Nico. So the Black Cyber Stage is yours, man. Um, if people want to know more about Nico Smith, where can they go online? Wow. Um, well, you can find me. I'm uh, Nikolai Smith, the number one. Uh, on the Twitters. Um, I, I'm uh, also on Facebook. I call it Book of Faces, but I'm on Facebook uh, at, uh, at Nico Lost His Mind uh, Smith. Yeah. Yes. Um, and also uh, check me out uh, over at uh, Blackson, uh, Blackson Cybersecurity. Uh, also, if you're a veteran, uh, it, uh, I'm um, running the CTF team for Military uh, Cyber Professionals Association. So uh, reach out to me uh, via my email, uh, which is uh, Nico, N-I-C-O, Smith, that's S-M-I-T-H, at gmail.com. And I'll be more than happy to, to hook you up and, and, uh, and provide any information for, for anybody who's looking for me. All right. Uh, Nico, Man, I can't thank you enough for stopping by the Black Cyber Podcast. Uh, you just uh, laid a lot of knowledge on us, a lot of inspiration, uh, you know, from your journey. And I appreciate you coming by today. Oh, no. Thank you for, for one, having me on your platform and allowing me to share my experience. Again, uh, you keep doing great things. All right. Anytime, man. And I definitely appreciate that again. Um, if you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can find more at our YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and type Black Cyber to check out our podcast and other content. All right, Nico, thank you again for appearing on the show, man. I appreciate you.
All right. You have a great one. Are you too? You've been listening to the Black Cyber Podcast, hosted by George McPherson, securing our place in the industry. Be sure to subscribe to Black Cyber on YouTube and also subscribe to our podcast on all the major podcast networks like Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and many more.